Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law and the Virtual Justice Project. We thank you for joining us this evening. As is the tradition in the United States, every four years on January 20th, transfer of political leadership occurs in Washington, D.C. Normally, we would have been able to witness the regular pomp and circumstances associated with this transfer, but 2021 was different in many ways. Most notably, the 2021 swearing-in of a new president and vice president followed the first ever attempted coup or insurrection, which was inspired and managed by the outgoing president. This insurrection resulted from a three-month public and notorious campaign by the loser of that presidential campaign who sought to orchestrate and utilize illegal conduct in an unsuccessful effort to overturn the political will of the American voters. Central to the rationale articulated on behalf of the coup leaders was the unprecedented votes of African-Americans, people of color, and progressive voters who repudiated the presence of Donald Trump and his allies. Without going into all of the sordid details, when those legal efforts failed, this president called supporters to Washington, D.C., and directed them in storming the congressional chambers in an effort to prevent the certification of Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris as president and vice president of the United States. What harm has been caused by the outgoing president and the actions taken by him and his allies to overturn a legitimate election in the United States will be the focus of our discussion this evening. Joining with us for this conversation are the Dr. Reverend T. Anthony Spearman, who's president of the North Carolina NAACP, and Dr. Timothy Tyson, a widely acclaimed author, uh, historian, theologian, political activist, and professor at Duke University. Gentlemen, thank you all for joining us uh, this evening as we talk about this uh, very uh, weighty uh, topic. And uh, and I guess the first question is, uh, what's going on in America? Uh, Dr. Spearman, you as the head of the North Carolina NAACP uh, have been involved in a number of uh, efforts, both 
as a part of the NAACP and a part of your political uh, work that you do around the uh, state and, uh, and country. Can you give us a kind of a brief summary as to how you view the events leading up to and surrounding the uh, inauguration of uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris? Thank you, Dr. Joyner. And I want to thank you and Councillor Dawson for the invitation to be a part of the legal review um, or the legal eagle review. With, in, in an attempt to sum up what you have described uh, and your question as to what is happening in America, uh, I think for me, there are two words that can summarize everything that needs to be said. And those two words are pandemonium and pandemic, both of which seem to have been uh, orchestrated or at least perpetuated by number 45, who thank God is gone back to Mar-a-Lago, among the swamp creatures, and we pray that he would stay there. Uh, there was a time uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible when Israel was going through some changes and some challenges and an individual was raised up by a very, very corrupt uh, priesthood or ministry. The minister in, that I'm talking about is Eli, was Eli, and he had some very, very corrupt sons who did all manner of things to the people. But Eli, Eli's saving grace was in the person who became the seer and prophet named Samuel. The boy Samuel he raised and, uh, and, and, and raised to be quite a a positive figure in the Bible. But during the time that Eli was reigning, he, um, there was an incident where his two sons were killed and his, his, he, he himself were killed. And, um, and his daughter-in-law birthed a child that she named Ichabod. The interesting thing about this child named Ichabod is that his name meant that the glory had been taken out of Israel. And over the past four years, the glory has been taken out of America. So I use that as an analogy to uh, share with you how, or my take on what has been transpiring in, this, in these United States of America for the past four years, at least under his administration, where he began with his inauguration, uh, interestingly enough, using a term that he eventually led the country to, and that was talking about ending a carnage, a carnage that in his mind was, was, was present, but of course in others' minds was not, but that's exactly what he led this country to, American carnage. And so we uh, now are in a place where hopefully the administration of uh, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris will be able to redeem 
the soul, and we'll be able to assist in redeeming the soul of America. Dr. Tyson, as, as a historian, um, you, you are very familiar with uh, the uh, history, the political history in the, uh, in, in the United States and uh, what all of that uh, has pretended for the population. Uh, so speaking from, from your, your, your expertise or your point of, of view, uh, what has been the meaning of this uh, this presidency of um, of um, Donald Trump. The first thing I would say is that uh, this is us. Uh, I'm so tired of hearing this is not us, uh, which is just an ahistorical. It commits the, what the theologian Willie Jennings calls the the sin of forgetfulness. You know, we're born. Uh, our nation's birthplace is really not uh, Constitution Hall in Philadelphia, but instead the, uh, a deep place in the Atlantic shelf where the bones of millions of dead Africans settled into the sand and laid a foundation for this country, the, uh, for its future, for its economic uh, power. The, uh, and those who survived, the, the uh, and of course, began with the genocide against the native population. So we we got off to a rough start, you might say. <laughs> you know, back to a we started down the hole in the abyss. Really, uh, we have the struggle for racial justice and um, economic justice has been present with us all through uh, our, the time uh, that we that we our country is our young country i should say has been alive and uh i don't I, we can't forget that the so much of what we take for granted has been won through struggle and through the blood of martyrs and so uh, uh this is actually not the worst period in american history by a good long shot uh, uh, the, the uh, crushing of Reconstruction, uh, the widespread violence and terror of 1919, for example, um, with the Chicago riot and the, the uh, massacre in Elaine, Arkansas, the sharecroppers union and, uh, and, and bloody race riots in 26 or 27 cities across the land. So um, also I would say that, that Trumpism is uh, little more than the Southern strategy of George Wallace and Richard Nixon, who uh, saw a positive polarization, as they put it, as Nixon's strategists put it, uh, that basically united uh, white voters who were fearful and enraged by the gains of the civil rights movement. And, uh, his rhetoric is nothing new to me, and his uh, his actions. I, I'll say uh, some of them are uh, go beyond what, probably what George Wallace would have done if he'd been elected president in '68. You know, he's just a, a traitor to his country, really, and ha uh, having betrayed his oath of office and uh, used threats and intimidation and uh, 
racist rhetoric and now uh, mob violence to have his way. In 1990, in 1990 uh, I had North Carolinians against uh, racist and religious violence recruited me to infiltrate David Duke's political party, uh, the populist party, which I did for a little while. Uh, I saw a monster being born. Uh, it was well underway. It was hatched in the spiritual boneyard of the Reagan administration. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know, spreads the blame around thickly is that this green light that our political culture has given to these far-right extremists uh, that we've seen take over our state house uh, and then our, then our nation. So um, it's not a, I'm less shocked. I guess that's uh, the historian's uh, reality is that, uh, you know, you think, uh, you compare things, but uh, we have been through a long night. We will not dig ourselves out of this hole soon. Uh, I am, uh, and I'm always, you know, for the light, I think April, excuse me, Amanda Gorman said the light, if we're, if we're brave, only brave enough to see it, if we're brave enough to be it. And there is light all over this country, but as, as we see when we, we, you know, there's a, there's a big movement that has some consonants with it, with itself. Uh, I was very encouraged, uh, you know, but by the scope and energy of the Black Lives Matter generation, all the organizations that uh, were part of that, that sort of get broad brushed under Black Lives Matter, but, uh, and also uh, young white folks showing up in such large numbers, um, which I haven't seen in, in, uh, in my time much. You know, not that there haven't always, not, you know, Robert Williams said the struggle uh, for freedom, the freedom struggle has always been biracial on both sides, <laughs> but, uh, not, nevertheless, this is a, a significant thing, and and Black Lives Matter, and uh, at you know three weeks after George Floyd's lynching, televised lynching, the uh, uh, I think it was sixty four percent approval ratings for Black Lives Matter, and that a social movement with a you know with a majority uh, supporting it, that's just unheard of. The the uh, women's women's suffrage movement. Civil, you know, Martin Luther King in 1967 was polling uh, two thirds disapproval, one third approval. And we think of him as being, you know, a compelling and persuasive. Uh, some people sort of have deracinated him a great deal and, and don't realize, you know, the militancy and confrontational nature of his methods and the radical uh, nature of his goals. But, uh, you know, we, that we haven't seen a uh, social movement uh, touch the heart of, of Americans like that has, and that happened in the in the Trump years when there's a lot of uh, permission from above, the green lighting, uh, all of this reaction and violence. So uh, we'll have to deal with Trumpism for a good long while to come. I do th think that it is very significant that uh, we have gotten out of the Trump presidency with uh, you know some catastrophes, but. Uh, uh, as lightly as we have, because he is, ha, is uh, has his own particular brand of, of uh, idiocy and insanity and uh, demagoguery, uh, 
we cannot discount his capacities as a demagogue. So I feel a great sense of relief and, uh, I, but I know that the work now begins. All right, this is the uh, Legal Legal Review, and uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Uh, T. Anthony Spearman, who is the president of the North Carolina NAACP, and Dr. Uh, Timothy Tyson, a noted uh, author and uh, historian, where we are discussing uh, the uh, inauguration of uh, President uh, Biden and Vice President uh, Harris. And uh, I guess, in a sense, uh, where do we go from here? Uh, after this uh, uh, this inauguration has uh, has uh, concluded, uh, we, we're going to take our break right now. Uh, there is a lot to talk about in the opening statement. So both of uh, our guests, our experts, uh, really uh, has left a lot for us to uh, uh, discuss. So I want you to stay with us, and uh, we're going to be right back. I'm Nastasia Harris, a third-year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your Virtual Justice Spotlight. On Wednesday, the country witnessed the swearing-in of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris at the U.S. Capitol. History was made for Vice President Harris as she became the highest-ranking female elected official in U.S. history and the first Black and South Asian Vice President. The 20th Amendment of the United States Constitution states that the term of each elected president of the United States begins at noon on January 20th of the year following the election. Formerly known as Inauguration Day, the ceremony marks the commencement of a new four-year term of the president. Pursuant to Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, each president must take the oath of office before assuming the duties of the position. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. These are the only words required to swear in a new president. As is customary, the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court administers the oath. However, another judge may do so if the Chief Justice is unavailable. Most presidential inaugurations since 1801 have been held in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol Building and have traditionally been outdoor public ceremonies. The inauguration of President Biden marks the 59th inauguration ceremony of a new four-year presidential term of office. Virtual Justice at NCCU School of Law is the intersection of technology and a legal clinical program. I'm Nastasha Harris. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Legal Review, and thank you so very much for staying uh, with us. Uh, tonight, we're, we're discussing uh, this uh, historic inauguration of uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris uh, in a very unusual and challenging uh, inauguration ceremony and challenging and difficult uh, times uh, we bring together two uh, experts dealing with uh, race relations and racial issues <clears throat> in the country. Dr. T. Anthony Spearman, president 
of the uh, North Carolina NAACP and Dr. Timothy Tyson, uh, author, historian, professor, theologian, activist, uh, and you can add about 15 other labels uh, to that. Uh, but uh, just to let you know that they are worthy of our thoughts and our attention as they discuss uh, these uh, issues. Uh, both of them talked about the damage that's been inflicted uh, on, uh, on this country and uh, the racial divisiveness, the economic disparity, and a number of other issues and problems that uh, that's occurred to uh, exacerbate problems that already existed when Donald Trump became uh, president of this uh, of this country, and I want to just start us uh, out uh, in in this this segment. And I know uh, uh, April has uh, a number of questions for you, but uh, can this damage be repaid? And if so, how long does it take? Dr. Spim, you want to start us out with that? You, you know, uh, Professor Joyner, I um, have actually been thinking about that for quite some time. And um, I genuinely believe that it can be repaired. Uh, the damage can be repaired. And it is possible that right now is the opportune time for it to be repaired. What I mean by that is that the uh, oftentimes it is that when you sense yourself being at the lowest point, there you will find the greatest hope to be able to uh, recover from whatever uh, the issues may be. And um, just for me, the 6th of January, which also happened to have been the day of Epiphany. A lot of people didn't realize that, but it was a, it was a holy day, uh, the day of Epiphany. And uh, when the activities took place and descended upon Washington, D.C. Uh, and I, I sat, I, I, I literally sat at my, at my television set appalled, not 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 necessarily shocked because it i mean you know when things unveil in certain ways you expect certain things to happen and so uh the expectation that it would blow up like it, or that it would blow up at least was there but i did not think that it was going to blow up the way it blowed up uh however it did and um to have watched the appalling uh and oftentimes just 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 grotesque um, exhibitions of those who were there in Washington, D.C. was 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 certainly um, offsetting. Um, I believe that we're poised now with the administration and the leadership that we have. Uh, President Joe Biden, who appears to be a man of deep faith and definitely a man of compassion, who I think was sensible enough to enlist the support of 
the vice president, Kamala Harris, who brings to the table her own unique um, uh, skill sets and the first African-American, Asian-American vice president. You know, we can't, we, 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 there's a sense in which we can't go back to that which was uh, for, for four years, that, 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 that endured for four years because there are certain things that we are now going to be compelled to move forward by. And, and I believe that it can happen. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, when I watched the, um, uh, the inauguration, some of the proceedings today, I, felt, I have felt better than I have in years. I mean, to have this morning watched uh, as number 45 stood in front of what he believed, I, th I believe that he believed that he was going to be standing in front of hordes of people, but nobody basically was there. And to see him sent off in the way that he was sent off really made me feel some kind of good because, you know, this, what, what he did, even for today, but one of the things that I, I, one of the things that I have a problem with is, is those who continue to perpetuate that there has been a peaceful transfer of power. That is the last thing that has occurred. And, and we need to stop lying and, and referring to it as such. Yes, a transfer of power has taken place, but it has not, it's been anything but peaceful. And we need to own up to that. And that's, I think that's going to help America to move forward. It, it, we got to stop the lies. <laughs> We've got to stop perpetuating the lies. Uh, the, and, 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 and it's interesting to me also that the last time a, uh, a, a incoming or an outgoing president refused to be present at the inauguration of an incoming president was back in 1869 when Andrew Johnson was outgoing and Ulysses Grant was incoming. And interestingly enough, Johnson was also a president who was impeached, not twice, but he was impeached and probably came closer to being convicted than any other of the presidents. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a very striking similarity, which indicated to me just what, if, 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 if anybody really did not know, and it had not been signaled to them what MAGA meant, make America great again, then that's exactly what it meant. You know, and we were, and, and, and those of us who look like me, we're on our way back to a place that we, uh, would have resisted being in. Um, and so I do believe, to answer your question, I know I've gone all the way to the African back to answer it, but I do believe that we can recover. I do believe that we can heal. And today was just a, uh, uh, for me, a testimonial to the fact that it can happen. How long? I'm not sure, but I think we're on the right track. Dr. Tyson. Well, um, I'm told that in Chinese, the word crisis is the same word as opportunity. And I think uh, 
Reverend Dr. Spearman uh, points to that uh, wisely. That, and I, th I think we've now got an opportunity if we'll act on it um, to not just you know restore American democracy, but to in reinvent American democracy. And uh, I think that uh, you know we've got to get country to get vaccinated. We've got to restore and guard the ballot. We've got to address the systemic white supremacy that still has us firmly in its grip. And if there's any uh, upside to what happened last Wednesday, then that would be to uh, say uh, it becomes undeniable, you know, that the armies of white supremacy uh, marched on their country you know, and uh, led by their president. So uh, that should be a wake up call that they, they too have ancestors, just like the African-American freedom movement. Uh, you know, this, this, they operate out of a long and deep tradition. Uh, Michigan, uh, of the Michigan militia, militia had the uh, uh, biggest Ku Klux Klan in the country in the 1920s. Mississippi came in second. The, uh, and, all, and then starting in the late 70s, this militia movement that we have now began to build on those uh, foundations. And it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and we haven't addressed it in an honesty that it even exists. Uh, to echo uh, Dr. Spearman's uh, wise counsel about uh, this not so peaceful transfer of power, the uh, we have to own up to to who we have been and to what we have countenanced and let happen. You know the the. This is not the worst violence, white supremacist violence in the history of our country. It's not even the worst uh, violence of, of rec in recent decades. We saw Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City bombing. And I recall how that was a product of the white supremacy movement and the media and uh, those who, who, you know, condemned the bombing tried to stay away from white supremacy. Uh, this was just a nut, you know, but uh you know, he was a representative of a movement, and this—that's the movement that we have seen. We've got to root out the people who use violence in the in the service of hatred and in, in, in the service of the politics of domination. We've got to create an economy that measures our prosperity by something other than the than the Dow Jones. You know what happens on Wall Street. We have to start measuring our prosperity by how uh, the poorest among us and how uh, ordinary people uh, are faring in that economy. Um, since 1979, we have not had the gap between rich and poor has widened every year since 1979. I've often wondered how, how far that could go. We've got to stop that. Uh, on the bright side, I also think that we need to take advantage of the fact that this is, you know, this is the year of black women. Uh, who've become a force in American politics, um, matchless, really, not just uh, our new vice president, but, you know, Stacey Abrams and Natasha Brown and and Inse Ofat in uh, Georgia. They took Georgia. My heavens. You know, Georgia? Really? I think there's great hope in that. And I think, too, that North Carolina, we here in North Carolina, have uh, got to launch a movement. Uh, and, we're, you know, we've had a big, strong movement. We've got the strongest, largest NAACP in the South, the most vibrant in the nation. Uh, 
uh, we've got had excellent leadership uh, in the person of uh, Reverend Dr. Spearman uh, and those who went before him. The the uh, and we've got to build on that. People need to people need to go join the movement. Go find it. Don't just start an organization. Go find somebody who's doing what you think needs doing and join them. Join the North Carolina NAACP. Join repairers of the breach. You know, and there are uh, dozens of other people who are really part of the of the change, and that we all need to be part of the change. And if we'll, uh, uh, you know, as the poet said, if we'll be uh, brave enough to see it and brave enough to be it, then we have a great opportunity. Uh, out in front of us, but it's going to take a while. We have to be understand that the change didn't come uh, in instantly when D Donald Trump was elected. That we didn't fall in this hole. This is not a you know, this is another low point uh, in a history filled with you know accomplishment and the expansion of democracy and filled with murder, terror, oppression, uh, and the you know we've won. We've broadened democracy through uh, the labor movement and the women's, women's suffrage movement and the civil rights movement and the gay liberation movement. Uh, and they're the arc of those ancestors. And we need to get behind that vision and look forward uh, outward from there, you know, where we can blend our tradition with the, with the needs of the new day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dr. Tyson, so your comments about uh, the impact that African Americans, uh, particularly African American women, have had uh, on where we are today takes me to the, this, this question that I have for both you and Dr. Spearman. You know, when Barack Obama was elected first in 2008 and then, or inaugurated in 2008 and inaugurated again in 2012, I was so optimistic about this country and the future of this country. So I was uh, despondent, um, to say the least, with the election of, as Dr. Spearman says, uh, number 45. And we have this pendulum in, in this country where we make gains and then we take, you know, a couple steps back. And, and we're at a moment in time when the pendulum is swinging in the right direction again. Uh, what can we do to make sure that we keep up this momentum of progress, that, that we don't have another uh, 45 experience? The cure for, for the damage done to a democracy is more democracy. And what we need is a vibrant, energetic democracy where citizens step up and uh, have a voice and, and uh, make things happen. You know, we uh, FDR met some African-American activists in the Oval Office uh, when he was first elected. And uh, they talked with him for a little while and their hearts were soaring. He seemed to believe what they believed and uh, seemed to promise to be a strong ally and uh, or at least the hope of one. And uh, then he walked them to the door and was shaking their hands and said, now get out there and make me do it. <laughs> and we've got to get out there and make them do it. Uh, you know, we have many friends who are nonetheless not going to uh, represent us uh, fully, uh, who, who uh, you know, Senator Biden has been a, uh, 
as a human being has been a fine human being, and but in some ways he's been a senator from the finance industry, uh, very primarily. And uh, I think he sees now where we are, and I don't think that's his emphasis. He doesn't have to get elected out of Delaware anymore, which actually is a real center of the financial. Uh, you know, it's a, the world of credit cards uh, comes out of, of Delaware. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful about that. We're going to take uh, the energy that Stacey Abrams and her friends and colleagues, African-Americans and black women in particular, and uh, take it into North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina, where there's always been, the, you know, since it was the black second, you know, in the old uh, hundred years ago and more. The, the, that's been a place of political promise. And I think one of, that's one of the places there are half a million unregistered black voters in this state. And, uh, you know, from my point of view, uh, what I want for my children and grandchildren is a multiracial, uh, vibrant democracy uh, that seeks uh, justice and mercy and love in the largest sense. And I do not see that happening without black political power, you know, and that's so, you know, that's, that's where my soul speaks from is, is uh, from that vision that I find in the black freedom movement. But, uh, but it has to be a coalition. We, if we are not a quilt, then we are toast. But if we are a quilt, we cannot be stopped. Um, and, and and we protect the ballot at all costs. All right. You're listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we've been talking with Dr. Reverend T. Anthony Spearman, who is president of the North Carolina NAACP, and Dr. Timothy Tyson, a widely acclaimed author, historian, and professor at Duke University. We've been talking this hour about the... Fortunately, peaceful transfer of power with the inauguration of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. We hope you stay with us. Good evening. My name is Reginald Woods II, and I am a current 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law. And I would like to personally thank you for supporting and listening to The Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking show that is made possible by the Virtual Justice Project of the North Carolina Central University School of Law, as well as listeners like yourself. For more information regarding the show or past episodes or the latest happenings surrounding our host, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Legal Eagle Review. Again, my name is Reginald Wist II, and thank you for listening. And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. 
I'm April Dawson, and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking with the Reverend Dr. T. Anthony Spearman, who is president of the NAACP, and Dr. Timothy Tyson, who is an acclaimed author, historian, and professor at Duke University. And we've been talking this hour about the inauguration of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, right before the break, Dr. Tyson, you were talking about how it is that we can keep up this momentum of progress. And you mentioned that we've got to have multiracial coalitions and we need a quilt and we need a vibrant and vigorous democracy. Uh, Dr. Spearman, can you talk about how it is that we can bring that to fruition? Yes, and I um, really liked what uh, Dr. Tyson had to say. And, um, and, and just want to piggyback uh, just a little bit on what he said to add or offer that one of the things that I think is going to be imperative that we um, would not find ourselves slipping back, if you will, from, uh, you know, from the place that we arrive at or the places that we arrive at is that we're go- it's, it's going to be a p- imperative that we demand the lifting of the standard of truth telling. We cannot afford to allow folk to take their stands and continue to, la- to, to launch lies and innuendo without making sure that we correct them. Uh, because this is, the, I believe this is where we've, we, we, we've come to. Uh, when I think back about some of the practices and the habits of number 45, even before he became number 45, he uh, began to, uh, the, 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 the birth of theory, uh, he began to construct that and, and began attacking President Barack Hussein Obama. And so he developed a practice of this, these theories that he constructs and people start buying into them. And next thing you know, pe- more and more and more and more people are buying into these lies and innuendo because they're not being addressed the way they need to be addressed. And so the, the best way to to offset that uh, and to prevent that from happening is to demand that people tell the truth. And uh, I, I think that also goes along with what I said earlier about us even even um, uh, uh, projecting or purporting to 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 say that we 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 have witnessed a peaceful transfer of power. No, I, I didn't witness. I don't know about you, but I know I did not witness a peaceful transfer of power. And every opportunity I get, I'm, I'm, I'm telling people, I'm correcting them, and I'm in passion to say what I say. The, during the January 6th, one of the things that infuriated me more than anything else, Councillor Dawson, was when uh, the, the um, reporters were reporting out that these were protesters. No, excuse the expression, but hell no, those were not protesters. And anytime you use the term armed protest, to me, I'm, I'm going to be offended because those were terrorists. That was domestic terrorism that was going on. By no stretch of the imagination was that were those protesters. Protesters don't conduct themselves like that. And uh, I, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of caught up, but I, uh, I, you know, I, I do also know that if the complexion had been different of those who were there that day, we would have seen, we would have seen far different than what we saw. 
you know, uh, so um, uh, I just want to make sure that we, 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 we make that known that we're going to have, it, it's going to, it's going to take us to lift some standards and truth telling is going to have to be at the, at the forefront or at the, at the top of the, of the list. Well, let, let me just, just chime in uh, following those, those comments. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the, the points that you made were very, very vividly uh, demonstrated and observed by this nation. But we have, and in, even here in North Carolina, the organization of the uh, Oath Keepers and the uh, Proud Boys and the uh, Ku Klux Klan and other militia groups that have branded themselves as adjuncts to uh, law enforcement. And these are organizations in which law enforcement and former military people are heavily populated and are members of. Uh, and we talk about the uh, racial divide that is exacerbated by the presence and activity of these uh, groups. Uh, how do we confront these uh, efforts that have been emboldened by, uh, by Donald Trump and will probably be uh, in, in a position that they will now attempt to survive on their own? Well, we've got to take that by the horns. I mean, we have we have to put these people in jail, and people who you know, we people should not be able to show up at the Capitol with semi-automatic military rifles, you know, and uh, all their weaponry. That's just that's not uh, public discourse. That's intimidation and terror, and you know, there's no place, no, nothing to do about that, but but uh, remove it from the body politic and. Uh, you know, if the their ideological peers ought to be helping us because it's uh, they've they've dragged their Republican Party down, which could use reinvention or you know has cooperated so much with them. I uh, one thing uh, I note from from Reverend Dr. Spearman, uh, you know, the NAACP in North Carolina has been its one great strength has been. Uh, that we have been devoted to a sense of history and that we have been devoted to facts. The grassroots strength is in the thousands and thousands of people who, who've uh, worked in, and uh, belonged in this movement. But the, we've also had careful scholarship that, that, uh, has, that we have adhered to to the very best of our ability. Um, and that is a very important thing. Uh the term you use emboldened, uh, Professor Joyner, the other day, I believe it on the news, I was watching the news and it was interesting the, the way that they were juxtaposing the words, the terms that were being used by number 45 when he was inciting and inviting his people to, uh, to besiege the, um, the Capitol. And he would say uh, 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 treason or whatever phrase he would use and that included treason. And then you saw the people at, in front of the Capitol and they were marching through the halls shouting treason, treason, treason. Uh, and then the other terms that he was using and you saw them mimicking the same thing. Now these individuals, and, 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 and let me bring in there, 
my 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 son i spoke to my son the other day who was a medical doctor and he was talking about how he st was st stood in front of a group of people talking about the uh vaccine and the taking of the vaccine and how these individuals would begin to dis dispelling or discounting uh taking the vaccine based on some of the things that they've heard about uh the tuskegee syphilis study and uh and henrietta Lacks and all of these those things and when he would stop and ask them uh okay so so what do you know about the tuskegee syphilis uh incident that occurred they don't know there's crickets they don't know they can't respond and the same with these individuals they can't respond to why they're doing what it is that they're doing you know so so i think the 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 uh, the the only way that we can uh is the only way that we can uh diffuse this is to call is to is to confront them you know probably as peacefully as we can of course uh when they're doing it because we don't know what they're capable of and then and then make an attempt to educate them i like what dr tyson says about the north carolina NAACP making its uh its efforts to to educate to inform to teach along the way to provide knowledge base you know the 1898 wilmington riots people don't know about those you know what transpired in 1868 at the uh, uh, the uh, constitutional convention when there were african americans that helped to usher in some of the changes that occurred in the state of north carolina people don't know about that until you tell them and so and so educating along the way is very very important because once people once people know better they do better if they don't know better they're not going to do better so we have it's up to us so we're going to have to be we're going to have to be those who step in there with 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 our president president biden whose whose attempt is to unify the nation and remove and move us from being blue states and red states to being the united states Right now, we are so disunited. I mean, that's that's what's playing itself out. 81 million or however many on one hand and 74, 75 million on the other hand. And the divisiveness is playing itself out. Well, we it's, it's imperative that we begin to make sure that we're educating along the way. Maybe we can bring civility out of the uncivility that we've experienced. You know, there are a lot of folks that are frustrated with the calls for unity because it appears as though there's the the request that we just all come together without folks having to be held accountable. Can you all talk about the need for accountability and the fact that while we have a new president, a new administration, uh, Democrats now control the Senate with Kamala Harris being president of the Senate, there are still large percentages of politicians who were right there with number 45, encouraging folks to um, uh, rest the Capitol. Yep. And I wish, again, I, you know, I, I just wish that we would rise up and do what needs to be done. The cameras have shown certain things that took place on the 6th of January. And certainly the implications of many of those politicians was caught on tape. Mm -hmm. So what is the problem with going ahead and indicting who needs to be indicted and acquitting who needs to be acquitted 
and stop the hypocrisy of, of, of acting like something didn't happen when we know doggone well it did. Until we live up to the mandates of just the, the Bible says, uh, you know, what does it what does it take for a man to be a man, but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Let's do justly. If, if we would just if we would just center on that, if we would just focus on doing justly. I'm sure that we would we would arrive at a at a at a much better place in a much quicker time. Yeah, I think uh, we have to recognize that there's been a relentless assault on democracy in this state, and it's been going on uh, for you know more than a decade uh, apace, and that uh, you know there were all the Republicans in our congressional delegation uh, voted to. Um, uh, side with those who are trying to block their election results in Washington. And that is, that is consonant with what their party in this state has been doing for a decade and more. The, uh, so, uh, and thanks to people, but, but yet one must also bear in mind that thanks to people like, uh, uh, Professor Joyner, uh, and Anita Earls, uh, Justice Anita Earls, uh, and, and a host of other, uh, talented and, and generous attorneys. We have defeated them in court all the way. So um, that struggle, and we've done that in part because we've raised awareness and we have uh, organized people. Charlene Carruthers, who's the founding director of the Black Youth Project 100, one of the key organizations in the sort of black movement for black lives, uh, published a book recently. It's called uh, Unapologetic a black queer and feminist mandate for radical movements. And she writes, uh, Frederick Douglass famously observed that power concedes nothing without a demand. I believe that we must go further and say that power concedes nothing without an organized demand. And so we have to organize to, to uh, build the political power it takes uh, to act in, as, you know, Martin Luther King advised you that, uh, uh, power without love is morally bankrupt. Love without power is sentimental and vacant. Where we must go is to harness our love to power and move toward justice. And uh, we have to remember that this is not for the faint of heart. We people have got to be, uh, you know, engaged citizens, and and we can meet each other on on high moral ground. The things we most deeply believe in the truth we learned at our mother's knee. And uh, we have everything we need to do that. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, that's, uh, that's a lot. Uh, these have been troubling times, uh, but for African-Americans and people of color in this country, for the progressive populations in this country, for the marginalized uh, communities that uh, that we have here has been a part of our history. Uh, so it's, it's nothing new uh, that uh, we have to uh, acclimate ourselves uh, to. And uh, so the two of you have amply uh, uh, described what our situation is, the hole that we are in, but also the hope 
and the inspiration needed to uh, rise above uh, what uh, the situation is that, uh, that we were left with. Uh, but it's uh, a breath of fresh air to be where we are now. So. Absolutely, and we appreciate so much you two taking time out of your day, uh, inauguration day, to share your thoughts with us. We have with us here in our Zoom studio, Reverend Dr. T. Anthony Spearman, who is president of the North Carolina NAACP, and Dr. Timothy Tyson, a widely acclaimed author, historian, and activist, and professor at Duke University. We'd also like to thank you, our listening audience, as always, for taking time out of your Sunday and spending it with us. If you have any comments or questions, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleaglereview at nccu.edu. And if you ever miss this show on Sunday, you can find the show on our Legal Eagle Review podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.